Welcome to the church. 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 You're listening to another message from the Pentecostal Church in Normal, Illinois. Our mission is to honor God, love people, discover truth. how love how, how deep and how wide the love of God is and he wants desperately for us to know that love to step closer in our walk and I'm just so grateful I'm so grateful for how our praise team has ushered us into the presence of the Lord because his spirit is so thick today Pastor Josh out we weren't here last week but I listened to the podcast and I love the word that he spoke said, he who has ears, let him hear. I want to hear the word of the Lord, don't you? Yes, yes, and I, I am so excited. I'm so excited because I've been so nervous. I've been so nervous about preparing to speak to you today. Um, but God, he does those things where he confirms, you're not crazy, you are hearing from me. And when I heard that word, I know that God has a word that he needs us to hear today. He desperately wants us to hear his word today. So we're going to go ahead, we're going to jump right in, and I'm not going to make you stand for very long. We're going to go ahead and um, jump into Proverbs chapter 9. I, while he's putting that up, I love the book of Proverbs. Um, God makes me giggle. There, were, there was a year where God sent me into the book of Proverbs, and I read it four or five times, and I kept saying, God, why am I, why am I still reading this book? And he's like, because, daughter, you're not getting it. Has anybody ever experienced that with the Lord? Yes, but I'm grateful for his patience to cause us to circle back. So, Proverbs chapter 9, I'm not reading the whole thing. You're gonna, um, we're going to bounce around a little bit. But it says this, it says, Wisdom hath builded her house. She hath hewn out her seven pillars. She hath killed her beasts. She hath mingled her wine, and she hath also furnished her table. She has sent forth her maidens. She crieth upon the highest places of the city. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. As for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine which I have mingled. Forsake the foolish and live and go in the way of understanding. For by me thy days shall be multiplied and the years of thy life shall be increased. A foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and knoweth nothing. 
For she sitteth at the door of her house on a seat in the high places of the city to call passengers who go right on their ways. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. And as for me, as for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, stolen waters are sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he knoweth not that the dead are there and that her guests are in the depths of hell. This morning, I want to speak to you this thought, this thought that says the table is set. Will you take your place? Would you pray with me for the word of the Lord? name you can be seated the table is set will you take your place I like Thanksgiving anybody else like Thanksgiving yes and it is less than two weeks away so I'm very very excited Um, you know I've been thinking about this whole table this whole feast for quite some time Um, Thanksgiving since I was a kid I've loved it When I was a kid, we always went to my grandpa's house. Always went to my grandpa's house, and there was a kid's table, and there was an adult's table. And I lived at the kid's table. Anybody else? Yes, yes, they still live at the kid's table. (laughs) Uh, But there was something about that adult table that I loved. I always wanted to be there, and I wanted to be there because they always had great conversations. Us kids, we were like picking at each other, or we were arguing, or whatever. But there was always something special about that adult table because the spread of food was there. So if you wanted seconds, you had to go in and ask for seconds, and I didn't like to ask. So sometimes that would keep me away from that space, but there's something special about that table and that glorious spread that was there. Tables are really special. They are a very special place, and they're very, very important. You'll find, if you go out on the internet, you can do studies on the value of a table. I bought a book for the kids. My kids are all... Writer's nine, everybody else is older, right? But I found this book that is a kid's book, and I bought it. It's about the value of gathering around the table and the connection that has in that place. So I made everybody listen to it, even though they're all older. But statistics will show you that families are stronger when you take time and you connect around that table. That people, there's this connection that happens there. In our home, it's a force. We are gathering at the table, and they'll let you know. Occasionally, I'll cave, and they can do whatever they want, but 99% of the time, we're gathering around that table because there's value there. There is a deep value there, and this is not a new thought. It's not a new idea at all. If you have studied the Jewish faith at all, I find the Jewish faith is interesting to study, and I've done some, some studying, and they, too, have a value on their table. It's viewed as an altar. It's a place of remembrance. And just like us, it's a place of connection. What I found really, really interesting is their food. It tells a story. There is 
a purpose in every meal that they make, and it's to remind them of things. It connects them to their past, and it also points them to their future. So this table is so special. Every meal that they partake in tells that story. Because if you'll remember, God, he, he reminds us consistently, we are a forgetful people, are we not? Yes, go and read their wanderings in the wilderness, and God is telling you, we are a forgetful people. But this is how the Jewish faith tries to go back and remember. When we look to the Old Testament, specifically in Leviticus chapter 23, we learn there of the seven feasts. We're not going through those today, so don't be exhausted already. Um, but there's significance in each of those feasts. They're very, very purposeful. In them, we find there's reminders of salvation. There's remi reminders of their redemption. There's reminders to them, how are you to worship the Lord? They paint this prophetic picture of what salvation is. And God, he used these festivals with the Jewish people to show them how to walk with him day in and day out. Food and tables. Food and tables are meaningful, not just because we are about to celebrate Thanksgiving, but because God has purposed them to be that way. We see this truth whenever we look to Proverbs 9, what we just read. This proverb, it speaks to a feast, a feast that's been prepared, a table that has been set. But it says something else. It talks to us about two voices that are calling for our attention. They're competing for our intention. And those two voices are the voice of wisdom and the voice of foolishness. We heard on Thursday night that Satan has a plan. And his plan is one of imitation. That just struck me as so profound. I feel like I've known this forever. But hearing him say that on Thursday, I was like, oh, my word. Absolutely, and my mind jumps straight back to what I'd been studying about Proverbs 9 because it lays out this plan of imitation perfectly. We see the plan of the wise, but we also see that of the foolish, and the foolish voice, if we're not careful, it sounds so similar to that of what the wise is doing. They're both present in the high places, okay? They're both calling out. They're, they're crying out for someone to listen, and they're both promising a meal, but there are differences there, and we're not going to dive into all of those differences today because there's more that we need to lean into. But there's some subtle differences, but the one that is very profound that we're going to spend time thinking about and looking at this morning is um, the end result. The end result. There is one, the voice of wisdom that leads to life. The other, the voice of foolishness, the voice of folly, it leads to death. Okay, so we have two voices here, and they're presenting two choices, a decision we have to make. Which voice are we going to listen to, the voice of wisdom or the voice of foolishness? If we take time and we remember back to Eve, we start to remember she was presented a choice, was she not? She was, and she was deceived because what the serpent told her sounded so much like truth, but there was just a little bit that wasn't in there, and he mingled that truth with not truth, right? With a lie. Even the smallest difference, guys, even that smallest difference, it matters, and we see that play out here. Scripture warns us that we are to buy the truth and we are to sell it not. If you have been listening, we keep hearing that scripture come over and over and over again, and we have to listen to those things. We have to listen to those things. When I was in school, I, would, I had these wonderful teachers, and they would say, hey, you're going to know that something I'm telling you is important because I'm going to repeat it. 
right? And they, she would say, or he would say, you can bet that's going to be on a quiz, right? Guys, we're hearing these common threads. The same is true with God's word. We see common threads. We read the same thing over and over with different perspectives. Buy the truth, sell it not. God wants us desperately to hear that because it is so important. Eve, she sold the truth, right? I don't want to sell the truth, and I know that you don't either. It's why we've got to be in this word. We have to remember exactly what pastor said last week. He who has ears, let him hear. This proverb reminds us of the reason that we have got to hear. We've got to hide his word in our heart that we might not sin against him. Because as we see what we see play out in this proverb, we find that obedience is going to lead to a blessing and disobedience is going to lead to a curse. I want a seat at that table. Do you want a seat at that table? Yes. Yes, we do. Um, I, I can be simple. I've told you guys this before. Sometimes I'm so simple. And I can look to this word, and I can stay very surface level. And I think that you guys could too, right? We can read the, the word, and we can, we can be guilty of that. So I'm thinking of this, and I was reminded. I was back at Hobby Lobby this past summer, and I was by myself. And I was on a mission. I wanted to find dinner plates that we could eat on our back deck. We have plates. They're glass. I didn't want something that Ryder could take outside and break. So I was at Hobby Lobby, and I'm looking. They had all of these cute plastic plates. And I found myself, I was getting so excited because they, they had exactly what I wanted. And I thought my excitement was, like, inside, but it wasn't. Apparently, I was it was very obvious how excited I was because this woman, she came up to me and she said, you love this as much as I love this. And I said, yes, I have been looking for this. I just want a nice place for my, my family to eat outside. And she looks at what I picked out and I saw this look on her face and she's like, and she said, have you considered, have you considered what it would be like if you paired this with these dishes or this with these dishes and we sat there and I was like no you just caused me to step back and see things from a different perspective and so we talked some more and then she parted way we parted ways and as I was walking out of Hobby Lobby I'm like man God just started to speak to me he goes your my word is the same way my word is the same way because we can be guilty of looking at it from one perspective But when we start to look at all of God's word, we start to see, hey, this connects to this, connects to this. And what was wonderful and great, seemingly satisfying on its own, becomes so much more appetizing. And it draws us in and becomes even more inviting whenever we start to see these connections because God's word is alive. God's word from beginning to end, there's this common thread that he has woven throughout it. And it allows our roots to stretch deep and for beautiful things to happen. So just as what I'm describing to you happened at Hobby Lobby, the same is true with what we're talking about today. There is a depth to Proverbs 9. I wish we could dig it all out, but we can't. We don't have time. You guys are not going to listen to me that long. And that's okay. That's okay. But we're going to take it further. To get more of that in-depth view, I want us to jump over to Luke chapter 14. Because this talks about another great meal. Specifically, we're going to look at um, verses 16 through 23. It says this. Um, but before we dive in, you got to know. A man had just made a comment. He said, blessed is he who eats bread in the kingdom of God. 
Jesus, he agrees, and in my words, he says, that's true, but let me tell you who's going to partake in that meal. I want to go to that meal. So I got to know who's going to partake in that meal. You have to go to that meal. So you have to know who's going to partake in that meal. I want that seat and so do you. So we're going to go and we're going to dive into this and we are going to hear what God says. It says this, then said he unto him, a certain man made a great supper and bade many and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, come for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and shewed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them. Compel them to come in that my house may be filled. That my house may be filled. I, I love parables. Does anyone else love parables? There's so much to them when you dig. I love them because initially you can be like, yeah, God, I got it. But then when you sit and you think and you pray, God starts to show you. You have no idea. There's so much beauty in this because God uses these parables to point us to a deeper spiritual concept, one that we cannot initially wrap our mind around. A parable is a purposeful story that points us to a deeper spiritual truth. And it is that great love, that great love, that love that caused God to tear that veil from the top to the bottom. It's that same great love that draws us in to bring us, uh, give us that, that direct access. It's that same love that causes him to speak to us through these parables and to help us to understand these things that we can't initially understand. So Jesus, he knew his audience he knew his audience very well. We already spoke about their value of tables and their value of feasts, and he understands this, which is exactly why he uses this parable to reach to them. He was taking something that was very important to them, and he uses it to connect with them to open up their understanding. He met them where they were. He met them where they were, and he was pointing them to where they needed to go, which is what we have to understand. God doesn't care where you're at. He is such a loving God. He will meet you exactly where you're at in the middle of your mess, and he will point you in the direction that you need to go. So anybody that it is in here and thinks, wait, I'm just a mess. God can't use me yet. I got to clean myself up first. That's a lie. God will meet you exactly where you're at, and he will point you where you are to go. He's trying to connect with the Israelites through this parable. He's trying to draw out their remembrance and he's pointing them to the kingdom of God. And he's doing this with those things that are valuable to them, that table and that feast. At first glance, we as believers, we can look to this parable and specifically, we can really quickly dismiss it. We can th think things like, I got this, or this doesn't apply to me. Jesus was talking to the Jews. Or we can think, 
I've already repented of my sins. I've already been baptized in Jesus' name. I've already got the Holy Ghost. Check, check, check. I'm done. I've got my seat at the table. That's not true. That is not true. There is so much beyond that place. And that seat at the table is ours if we will take it. A deeper look can cause us to realize that this is not a checkbox parable. It's one that we have to force ourselves to consider time and time again. And we have to look at it from a couple of perspectives. The parable of the great banquet and Proverbs 9 are both prophetic and real time. Prophetic meaning there is a future banquet that we are going to attend, right? The future marriage supper of the Lamb. Who wants to be there? Yes, I want to be there. Revelation 19 and 7 tells us, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. We want to be at that supper. Real time, though, Jesus tells us his kingdom is now. His kingdom is to come, but his kingdom is also here. So yes, there is this great thing we are working toward, but there is this great thing that we can experience now if we are listening. If we are listening, there is something great. There is something great. And I, I, I love the end of that, and I got to jump to it quickly. I love the end of that parable because it says, compel. He says, compel them to come. That is the great love of God. That is why we are all still here, because he's working to compel everyone who is willing to come. So anyone that says that God is like this austere, keeping us at a distance, that is not true. God is following us. He's just saying, hey, I'm here. Persuading us, compelling us to come and take our seat at the table. But we have to go back to those invitations. We have to go back to those invitations that have gone out, and we have to take note, many of them were sent. Because God wants all of us. He wants all who are willing to come. All who are willing. Anyone ever sent out invitations? And then you realize that not everyone who said they were going to come showed up? Yeah. That used to strike a nerve with me. Like, I would be like, how are you going to tell me you're going to come and then you're not here? It would really hurt my feelings. And then I became one of those people. I know. Like, there came a time where, yes, I said that I was coming to something and something came up and I couldn't attend. And then I was like, okay, check. I'm back in my spot. Right? We are all guilty of those things, statistically speaking, 75 to 80% of those people who respond to your invitations are going to show up. There's 10 to 15%, statistically speaking, that are not going to show up. And we've got to pay attention to that. Um, but things happen, right? Things can happen. Um, we learned in our end-time Bible study, I'm still feasting on this word, that time has sped up. I feel that deep in my soul, right? Like our calendars are so packed and there is so much for us to do. I feel like I'm sprinting through life and there's not enough time to do everything that needs to be done. Some things really do get in the way. Some things do come up because life we are living is so fast, hyperspeed. So turning back to our parable and looking to the culture of the time, we have this certain man who's putting on this banquet. Before a banquet was prepared then, they would send out this invitation. 
the invitation was sent out, but there was not a time on it. Okay, so once that banquet was prepared, then they would send someone out and say, hey, the time has come, come, the banquet is starting. Okay, so when we look at this, we have to understand these people had already said, yes, I will be there. But when the time came, check this out, listen to what they said. And they all, with one consent, began to make excuse. All of them began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. It sounds super absurd to me. So absurd when I read this, and I think of their behavior, and I start to connect it to this is an invitation to the kingdom of God. What are you doing? What are you thinking? The audacity. But then there's that statistic. There's that invitation and who shows up statistic that draws me in and should draw us in and say, you know what? Who, who's actually going? There are people that are going to show up and those that are not. It's easy to apply this parable to what happens in our lives when we understand that. Once we link this back to Proverbs 9 and we start to remember that there are two voices crying out to us, then it becomes very relatable, doesn't it? It does. We have all been given an invitation to the kingdom of God. The scripture says it. We already talked about it. All who are willing, that's who get that invitation. So many of us, we have already given that yes to the invitation, haven't we? But the question remains, are we, will we take our place at the table? So I want to look at those excuses briefly and consider for a moment, are they true of us? Because God, he's trying to compel us. He wants us to hear these things to make sure that this isn't an, a distraction for us. The first man, he said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. So when you look at this, what he's worried about is there's this enlargement of his estate that he's concerned with. There wasn't an urgency there because he already bought it. He already bought it. He got a good deal on it, and he wanted to go check that out. That field, though, when we look at it, that field was not going anywhere, was it? That field was already his. The state it was in today was going to be the same after the banquet. But he had it there, and he said that he needs to go. That deal had already been done. This, this man here reminds me of a person being deaf to the word of God, right? God, open up our deaf ears. We need to hear you. So this, this must was in his mind, and it stopped him from hearing the word of God the same as our must has the ability to do for us. How many times do we do the same thing? We mask our must and our want. We confuse the two, don't we? This man is a bit more polite than we find the others being. He says it is necessary. He says he must, and then he politely prays to be excused. The second man, he says, I bought five, five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. Prove them. I pray thee have me excused. He bought Five yoke of oxen. I read that means ten. Five times two. Much the same as the other, he misses the banquet because of a possession. 
Okay? When I read this, it, it really kind of makes me laugh a little bit. I love God's word. It is funny. Like, sometimes, right? So he, <laughs> I'm a mess, forgive me. Who makes an investment and doesn't know what they're buying? Who does that? People do. People do. He says in my word, in my words, he's saying, I got to go see if my investment is worth it. So similar to what that man before said. But what he's dealing with here is we have to be aware that worldly affairs have this temptation, this inclination to divert the spiritual pursuits in our life. And we have to be careful of that. And this man, he's, he's less, he's a little more polite than the first. He doesn't pretend that there's, he's a little less polite, sorry. He doesn't pretend that there is necessity. He says, I'm going, I beg you to excuse me. Okay? The third man, he says, I married a wife, and therefore I can't come. He says, I cannot, because he married a wife. Deuteronomy 24 and 5 gives a man an excuse from battle whenever he has taken a wife. It doesn't say that he's excused from the feasts, right? But this man takes that word and he applies it here and says, I got a wife, I'm out. And he doesn't even ask for permission, right? If we are not careful, our relationships can become idols. I have found this as a mother, I have found this so true. It is so easy to put our children, or our relationships in front of God. And that's exactly what this man is doing. And we've got to be aware that that temptation is real. This man, though, too, he doesn't apologize at all. He just says, I'm going to do this. We want to be sure these same excuses are not the same. They're not true of us because these are all lures of distraction, which if we're not careful can mask themselves as we must do them. So God, we want him to expose these things to our, to our lives, to our minds. There's nothing evil about any of these things. There's nothing evil about these things. They're all legitimate, but they cannot become a hindrance for our relationship with the Lord. And that's what these men allowed them to become. They put themselves in front of God. Priority is a hard thing. Anybody ever struggled with prioritizing? Yes, it is so hard when there are so many things coming at us at one time, it can be hard to decide, where is my time best spent? And we, we can just initially, we can run, and we can run after these things. If we don't stop to consider, we can run after the wrong thing. And this is exactly what we see is playing out with these men. These duties were imaginations in their mind. They thought they had to do something, and there was, in fact, work for them to do, but their priorities were out of line. There's no reason why these people could not have gone to the feast and then taking care of the other things that they had to do. But these men were presented a choice, and it's that choice that I want us to focus on. We have to see, we have to go back to Proverbs 9, those competing voices, right? Wisdom and foolishness. We see the choice they made was detrimental, and God purposed it to serve as a reminder for all of us, a warning for all of us. God has given us that same free will a free will that we have to exercise. God wants us to learn how to exercise it, but we also have to learn how to harness it in those times when things are competing for our attention for God. 
a free will that we'll have to choose between those voices of wisdom and foolishness. What we see here is a line. There's this division that's drawn between God's call, that word of the Lord going out, and our fleshly desires. They heard those competing voices. Wisdom, it says, sent out her maidens, just as that certain man sent out his servants to call. He said, go tell everyone, compel them to come in. That's exactly what's going on. The table is set. These men faced that choice. They made their decision. It's the same decision that's been playing out all throughout all humanity. And it's presented for us, asking us, am I going to choose God or am I going to go after my flesh? Just because we accepted that initial invitation, it doesn't mean that those voices stop. Right? Anybody ever uh, experienced, you got baptized, you, feel, you were filled with the Holy Ghost, you thought everything was going to be perfect, but no, it seems like all of hell is in your face telling you, sit down. Have you? Like, you came to Jesus and your whole life fell apart. That was me. I promise that happened. Because those voices, they intensify because they realize, wait a second, you're on to something. You're making a move. Other people are seeing you make a move, and I'm going to stop you. No. God said, you keep coming. You keep coming. You keep listening to the voice of wisdom, and you silence the voice of foolishness. We have to allow ourselves to stop and consider. The tragedy of this parable is that the guest had told the master that they were going to be there initially. But when the time had come, they said no. They said no, so what we need to ask ourselves is, am I picking body over soul? Am I reaching for time over eternity? These deep things of God, and we can get caught up in these things, these thoughts that say, I want to pray. I don't know how to pray. Or, I want to fast. Fasting is so hard. I can't stand to fast. Anyone else? It's so hard, but every time we push ourselves through that, there is a reward. There is a greater thing that God has for us. Or you think, I want to share Jesus, but I don't know enough about him. That's not true. If today was your first service and you learned one thing about Jesus, that is enough. That is enough for him to use. If you want to share him, he will make up the rest. You do what you can. He meets you in that place. I want to do what he's asking, but I'm too busy. I don't know where to start. Those are the things that we battle. Those are the excuses, and we can allow these thoughts to deceive ourselves, to think that our will not is actually a cannot, but our cannot is actually a will not, if you followed that, right? We're telling God, I will not, when we choose not to do these things. It's our will not that will keep us from the table. All three excuses in the parable, they were, they were proposed as cannots, and they were actually, God, I will not. Master, I will not. Inability and aversion are two different things, and we have to understand that. So how do we make ourselves get this right? The scripture tells us very clearly, seek ye first the kingdom of God. If these people would have sought God first, everything else would have been fine. We genuinely get our priorities mixed up. We have to understand when we respond to God's call, everything becomes better. 
Your family becomes better. Your business becomes better. Whatever it is you're pursuing, it's better when we seek God's kingdom first. I don't know how it works out. I just know that it does because I have tried it and I have proven it. And there are many individuals in this place that have done the same. So we ask ourselves today, is our cannot actually a will not? And that is one of those transparent things that we have to get alone with God and we have to be willing to see. I faced a will not recently. I already shared this with you and I was like not going to share it, but I'm sharing it again because God gave me a testimony and God said when he does something for you, you share it. So I'm sharing it with you and I'm not apologetic and you're going to hear it again. So my will not that I faced was I shared with you how God, he forced me to face my fear of flying. I told you that the job that I have right now is God-given, and it is by God and God alone that I got it. And he whispered to me when he gave it to me that I was going to face this fear, and there were going to be other fears that I was going to face because in my prior role, I, it was against my nature, but I told my boss, I will not do this. And it was okay at that point, but whenever God gave me this new job, he whispered to me, you're going to face this. And so I would get queasy every time someone would mention flight travel. And I was rejoicing every time I didn't have to go because I didn't want to go. But then a month ago, God ordered it. This is all God, I promise. He ordered it that I was going to Canada. And I thought, you know what? My husband and I, we work in the same department. He has a role that's kind of similar. I bet he's going to go with me. I'm going to be fine. I can do anything if my husband is with me. And then, no. And then I was like, oh, Lord, you really mean it. I'm facing this, and I'm facing this alone. And so I prayed, and I'm like, God, I want to do this. I want to do this well, but I am so afraid. And so I kicked, and I cried, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to get this. I'm going to figure this out. And I was a mess. I had to, the day before we left, I worked from home in the afternoon because I was like, they can't see me a mess. And I worked, but I worked from home. So that day, I, it was 6.30, I had to leave the house, and I cried, and I said, Ryan, I don't know how I'm going to do this. But then I got into my car, and I kid you not, everything was fine. Peace that passes all understanding, it stepped in. And we went on that plane, and it, it was just the most beautiful thing, because we did that, and there was not a not a nervousness in my body, and we got to where we started to be able to see the trees, and in Canada at that time, there was just this beautiful fall color, and in that moment, God whispered to me, he said, daughter, when you face your fear, there is something more beautiful on the other side of it that is never going to touch what you would see if you stayed in that place. God is so good, and there is fear that will stand in our way of taking our seat at the table. But God promises you, when you step into that place at the table, there is a spread in front of you like nothing else. And it is worth facing those fears. It is worth facing those fears. And you know what? I know there are some of you that you can um, connect with my fear. You identify with that fear, but there are others of you. You don't. That's not a big deal for you. You have another fear that you have not chosen to face. And if that is the case, God is calling you today to face that fear because there is a seat at the table. There is a seat at the table that God wants you to sit at. And when you take your seat at the table, someone else is going to take their seat because this invitation is far greater than you.
and it's more worth it than you could ever imagine. God is amazing. God is amazing. So if fear is trying to stop you today from taking your place at the table, Proverbs 9 tells us, As for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, Eat of my bread and drink of my wine, which I have mingled. Forsake the foolish and and live, and go in the way of understanding. Whatever you have, whatever struggle, whatever stress it is, whatever holds you back from sitting at that table, it's okay if you have to drag it, because that's what I did, and I found it to be true. God just says, bring it. Bring it to the table, and the closer that you walk, the closer you step to that table, you know what happens? That thing, it lets go of you. I can't describe to you the way that I feel, the freedom that I feel to know that that is no longer a thing that I have to face anymore. I will go again, and I will be glad, and I will rejoice. So when we come to the table, those things, they have to let go. Because here's the deal. Fear cannot stand in his presence. But you can. And so sometimes we have to get alone with God and we have to say those things to him. God, my fear will not stand in your presence, but I will. So help me. Help me bring these things to you. I'm going to go ahead and wrap up if our musicians will come. Pastor Josh gave us this mighty word. He that has ears, let him hear. I'm echoing that today. I'm echoing it because at the end of Luke chapter 14, Jesus says the same thing. He said, he that has ears, let him hear. He does not want you to miss that invitation. He doesn't want it. I want you to miss it. The master, he got angry. He got angry when those that he had invited didn't show up, right? And he told the servant, he said, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes and the city. Bring in the poor, the maimed, the halt and the blind. He did that. And there was still room. So the master says, go into the hedges and highway and compel them to come that my house may be filled. We don't want to make this mistake that the Jews made, right? He was speaking to the Jews, but he's also speaking to us as Gentiles. We don't want to make that mistake. We don't want to reject our invitation. We are part of those who are being compelled to come. Remember what I said. He's trying to persuade us. He's trying to lure us. He's trying to convince us to come to the table, to let these distractions step aside and take a seat. He says that my house may be filled. He wants everyone. He wants a full house. We don't want to make that mistake. Everyone is invited, but the way you get there is through obedience. That obedience, it starts with the gospel. If you have never responded, here is your invitation today to respond to God's word. Repentance. Repentance means that we ask God's forgiveness. You know, we're, we're walking this way and we stop and we ask God's forgiveness and then we turn and we go the other direction. So we repent. We walk towards the Lord and then we're baptized in Jesus' name. Jesus' name is the only name that saves 
And then we receive the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, if you have never received it, it is nothing to be afraid of. It is the greatest experience that the God of all creation would come and live in your heart and allow you to experience him. Those are your first steps. And if you have not responded to that, we have water and we can baptize you and you can walk away with that first step in God's purpose. God doesn't want you to miss out on that banquet. He doesn't want you to miss out on your seat at the table. And maybe you've done all those things. Maybe you've done all those things, but God is, has challenged you to rethink some of your priorities today. Maybe you've got things mixed up. That's okay. God does not shame us. He corrects us with love. He draws us with his loving, those cords of love. Maybe you need to surrender your plan to him today. Maybe you've got it wrong, and maybe you need to seek God's kingdom first. Here's what those men didn't understand, and here's something we don't understand. We need to understand is when we put God in his proper place, everything else gets better. Everything else gets better. So would you join me in this altar space or where you are sitting, and would you take time to put things in their proper place? Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the church. We hope you feel encouraged by the words you have heard today and would love the opportunity to get to meet you in person if you ever find yourself in Normal, Illinois. For more information on what's happening and to discover ways to connect, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and never miss a service. Also, follow us on social media. Find us on Instagram by searching thechurch.normalil or on Facebook by searching The Church. Direct links can be found in the show notes.